Well, as we've been working through the book of Exodus, we've seen blessing, bulrushes and bricks to straw. We began by seeing the blessing that God had given to the people of Israel in increasing their numbers. And then we saw Moses in the bulrushes down the river Nile. And then from the bulrushes to the burning bush to last week, bricks without straw. It's an interesting story that we have in the book of Exodus, but it's more than just a good story. What we have in the book of Exodus is really a diagram, a a display, a representation of how God is rescuing hardened sinners from the slavery of their sin. And this week we're going to focus on chapter 7, a portion, the first portion that was read to us um, earlier. Because here in chapter 7 we have this quite intriguing story of Moses and Aaron there before Pharaoh. Moses throws down his staff and it turns into a snake. And that, in many ways, would be a pretty good trick if you were there and you saw that happen. And yet, what's odd in what we've just read is that this miracle that God has done by Moses is matched. Matched by Pharaoh and his magicians. And then, in what appears to be, you know, a show of one-upmanship, Moses and Aaron's snake eats Pharaoh's snake, or his magician's snake. And the net result is that Pharaoh's heart, well, we'd expect at this point it would be made tender. And yet we see that just from chapter 7, and we're going to see this increase as the book progresses, Pharaoh's heart becomes hard against the purposes of God. He dismisses this trick and he does not listen. And the consequence for God's people is progressively that they will become more and more frightened about the condition that they're in. The very first time, in fact, Moses threw down his staff at God's order, and it turned into a snake, he ran away from it. And so we have in chapter 7 this kind of intriguing story of, of, of what? Of nothing really happening, of perhaps a miracle or two, and yet we might ask, has God failed? It seems like God's power had been matched by Pharaoh's power. The very best that Moses does in that moment is equally matched by Pharaoh and his magicians. And so I think chapter 7 seems odd. It seems odd to us. And I think there's a lesson here for us because sometimes when God begins to work, we quickly lose heart. We become discouraged. We have great hopes of God being at work in our own lives, in other people's lives. And yet, because God is not doing everything that we think he should do in the timing that we might have, and that timing is generally about now, we become discouraged. 
I know many of us have prayed for years for family or friends. You've talked to them about the Lord Jesus. You've shared the gospel with them and there's just no response. They won't listen. And if you've ever been frustrated like that, if you've ever been disappointed, if you've been discouraged because the way in which you hope God would work isn't happening, then Exodus chapter 7 is for you because Exodus chapter 7 is saying, and I think the whole book is saying, really, that the first round is not the end of the fight. That there are, as we're going to see the book progress, ten plagues coming and God is there for the first round and he's there for the second and he's there for all ten rounds. And so this morning I hope that we might just be reminded that God is in it for all ten rounds, that he's there and that he's at work, that we do not need to lose heart even in the face of people's rejection and of hard hearts. We see there in verse 3, it says this, But I will harden Pharaoh's heart, And though I multiply my signs and wonders in Egypt, he will not listen to you. See, we know that God can do that, I think. We know that it's possible for God to harden someone's heart. The question I think that we often ask is, is that fair? Is it right for God to harden a person's heart? And Christians have really wrestled with this with this question for centuries. To get an answer to that question, we have to look forward and we have to also look backwards. So firstly, backwards. What do we know about Pharaoh already? Well, we've seen over the last couple of weeks that Pharaoh is this ego-driven man that is building, that has this kind of large building program and he's enslaved God's people in order to carry it out. He's attempted a regime of ethnic cleansing in killing all the baby boys. He's last week tightened the screws of oppression as he orders the people of God to make bricks without straw. And now God is saying, I'm going to harden his heart and he will not listen. What is the purpose of that? If God sees his heart, doesn't he have some kind of obligation to soften it? The evidence of Pharaoh's hardness and the consequence of it are both seen in verse 3. I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will not listen to you. Verse 3 is clear. We know he won't listen, despite the fact that Moses does this miracle of turning the staff into a snake. If you were Pharaoh, though, why would you change your mind on the basis of Moses and Aaron's demonstration? In fact, they've recovered artwork from ancient Egypt and it depicts 
um, in these artworks canes that are shaped like snakes. And the reason that uh, uh, people think this, the reason that they depicted this art in this way was that uh, many people think that the Egyptians had developed a technique whereby if you kind of just crooked a uh, snake's head in a certain way, it would paralyse the snake and, you know, send it straight and rigid. And then if you threw the snake down in a certain way, it would miraculously come back from its paralysis as it hit the ground. Is that what's happening here? Well, it could be. But it also could be that Pharaoh is marshalling the demonic powers. It could be that God is allowing the forces of evil to do something miraculous. Jesus in Matthew 24 tells us that in the final days there will be false, false Christs who will come and will do great signs and wonders. You see, there is power on display here in Exodus chapter 7, but it doesn't mean just because power is at work that it is from God. We are urged as the people of God not simply to watch for signs, but also to listen. We're told in the Bible that Satan can appear as an angel of light. And so we as Christian people must evaluate what is being said according to the word of God. And when people don't do that, their hearts become hard and they are prevented from hearing what God is saying. And I think this is exactly what we're seeing here with Pharaoh. His heart is hard and so he won't listen. Moses is knocking on his door. He's trying to tell him that God is at work and that he is to let God's people go. He asks him to listen and listen and listen. And we'll see as the chapters go on from chapter 7 that these plagues that we might expect will break Pharaoh's heart and wake him up, only harden him. And we might be a little sympathetic to Pharaoh what Moses does, his magi uh, magicians match it, at least for a while. But as things progress, we'll see in the first plague that the Nile turns to blood. Now, many people have come up with a, a natural explanation for this, just as in the same way as it was just a paralysed snake that was thrown to the ground. Well, people have natural solutions for this, that... Um, it must have been a large algal growth, uh, the first plague. And then there's the frogs. So the frog plague is the frogs escaping from the algal growth and then it's the flies because that's, you know, the ups, it, it's been, the ecosystem, ecosystem's been now upset. And so there's kind of quite, uh, there's an appeal to nature as a way of, dismissing these miracles. But what should have uh, Pharaoh seen? Well, he should have seen that there was an intensification of natural phenomena. What is actually happening is God is showing Pharaoh 
that he's in control. Moses is seeking to demonstrate to Pharaoh that although he might have the gods of his land, the gods of water and vitality, the Lord God of Israel is saying, I am the God of this land, of water and of life. And here in Exodus chapter 7, we have a preview of what will happen in the chapters following. The God of Israel is literally going to eat for breakfast all the gods of Pharaoh. We're going to see that although Pharaoh in his hardness of heart and in his stubbornness will oppose God, he can't stand up to him. And it's more than just some natural phenomena at work here because we see that these plagues in the coming chapters only affect the Egyptian people that the Israelites are spared. Ultimately, we see that God is at work and we see that his power is greater than that of Pharaoh's and Pharaoh should listen to him, but he doesn't. Why? Well, because his heart is hard. And when you harden your heart, you become hard of hearing to God. And that's not just true for Pharaoh. That's why the writer of the Hebrews will say in the New Testament, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. It's a quote from Psalm 95. And so as much as we might read the book of Exodus and we see with frustration Pharaoh hardening his heart, I think we're at risk of doing the very same thing. We often seal off parts of our lives where we don't want God to speak to us, where we kind of know what he says, but we can't deal with God in that area of our life now. And so we get ourselves into situations where we prefer to defend our own bitterness than let God's work, let God's word be at work to soften our hearts. We allow our unforgiveness to drive us. And we allow... In doing that, our hard hardness to grow. And what happens when you harden your heart to God? The hardness increases. And so Pharaoh is, is a warning. He is a warning to us, just like steel, when it's constantly worked, it becomes brittle and it breaks. So too we see with Pharaoh that eventually his heart will break and eventually he will be forced to let the people of God leave. And God at the ho- throughout this whole narrative is using his hardening of his heart. And God explains the reason why there in verse 5. He says, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. The Egyptians will know this is why God is hardening Pharaoh's heart because he wants to be known not just to Pharaoh 
but also to the Egyptians. You see, if after the first round, if, you know, somehow the story was differently, Moses threw down the snake, Pharaoh just amazingly says, yes, of course, I'll let your people go, then it would have had limited impact. But what we see in the book of Exodus is that there is a progress of what's happening here. By verse 10, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron threw his staff down in front of Pharaoh and his officials and it became a snake. See, it was an opportunity there for Pharaoh and his officials to see God at work. But by the time we get to chapter 9, in a couple of chapters' time, God says the reason that I have appeared to you in these great acts of judgment is not so just that Pharaoh might know that he is God, not so that just the Egyptians might know that he is God, but he says so that the whole earth may know that I am the Lord. This isn't this encounter here in chapter 7 isn't just an underwhelming, underpowered first attempt. This is God demonstrating how he will be at work in these chapters. And this is God showing that his glory is not just for Israel or indeed in victory over the Egyptians, that it is for the whole world. God hardens Pharaoh's heart so he can break it and demonstrate his power. And as much as it's right to focus on Pharaoh, there is a, another hard heart in this narrative. It's Moses. Here is Moses who we read earlier on is a murderer. He raises his children performing pagan rituals. And when God calls him in the burning bush, his response is, have you heard of my brother Aaron? Can you send him? Moses demonstrates too a hardness of heart. And yet there's a difference between Moses and Pharaoh. Because although Moses' heart might naturally be hard, he is in fact listening to God. He's being changed and being transformed. You can see that there in verse 6. Now that as God has commanded Moses and Aaron to go to Pharaoh... Verse 6 reads, Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded them. He's listening. His heart is being changed. And that phrase will be repeated throughout the chapters. What God is showing us here is not only does he have the power to overcome, to warn and to judge, God has also the mercy to claim those who are his Moses is being claimed by God. And we see that. We see that throughout the ages. We see that God has the power to warn. God has the power to judge. But God also 
has the mercy to call and draw those to come to him. Those words of Psalm 95 are for us in his provision of the Lord Jesus Christ. We can hear his voice and it's a voice not of judgment. It's a voice of mercy. And so there's warning for us an example of Pharaoh that if we harden our hearts to God and his word, the consequence is increasing hardness and judgment. But if there's a willingness by God's spirit and through his grace, he has the mercy to claim us. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Today, if you're reminded of the grace of the Lord Jesus, of his forgiveness, of his death for us. Do not harden your heart. What's fascinating in this account in Exodus chapter 7 is as the narrative progresses, we see that God just doesn't use hard-hearted people like Moses. He heals them. And by the time you get to Exodus chapter 9, after the plague of hail, we see that there's almost a possibility that this hard-hearted Pharaoh might change. We read in Exodus chapter 9, verse 27, Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron. This time I have sinned, he said. This is not Moses speaking. This is Pharaoh speaking. This time I have sinned, he said to them. The Lord is in the right, and I and my people are in the wrong. It's almost as if he might let his people go. But here, friends, we have a great reminder that as we have confessed our sins this morning, we have a great reminder that when we confess our sins that It's not merely about us feeling bad or guilty. God wants to free us from our sin. He's given the Lord Jesus to die for us as an atoning sacrifice. And that's why often we start our church service with a confession of sin. We start with a confession of sin because it's there to help us worship God, to be reminded of his mercy towards us and for us to recognise our need. Because in the gospel, God knows our need. And in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, he gives Jesus and he says, here is what you need. A prayer of confession brings us into a fresh understanding of his grace and as we come to God let us come this morning let us come this morning knowing that we too are hard-hearted people but God is working in our hearts and by his grace and through the work of his spirit we are hearing his word and so he's renewing us he's growing our devotion He's freeing us to worship him in grace, truth and joy.
and pray. Let us pray that God might continue to do that. Amen. Please stand as we sing.